I am so excited tonight, I don't even know where to start. So I'm just going to start by saying this. Guys, Shine Church turned three this week, which is so awesome. Yes, and we honestly, whether if you know anybody who has at any point attended Shine, and to you personally, I just want to say thank you for your investment, thank you for your love, your life laid down, just years of making this possible. If you know someone who used to be a part of it and is no longer, tell them thank you. The body and the community is what it is because of every single person who has poured into it and we're so blessed to be a part of this church, so it's something major to celebrate. Um, we have been in a series called Stories and I was kind of nervous, I don't know what, what, what picture, oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> That was in Mexico, so those were good days. Um, I chased down, you know, some wild animals. It's fine. Um, but we're in a, a series called Stories, and as I was going through, I think it's really easy when we teach a message to kind of think through the filter of, you know, maybe some easy points to grab, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's value. But I just felt like the Lord challenged me this weekend personally to really just dive into the story, to dig into his word. And so I asked them actually not to put the verses on the screen. So what I'm going to ask you to do, if you have a physical Bible or your phone, we are going to go through, I'm about to tell you, 38 verses at least of scripture today. Um, We're just going to read the word of the Lord. And there's so much that we can take from this and Um, There is a point, obviously, (laughs) to discussing it, but I just want to encourage you, open your mind, open your heart. We're going to be talking about Abigail tonight, and maybe you've heard the story of Abigail and you're very familiar. Maybe you're not. That's okay. Um, She's an Old Testament character, and we find her in 1 Samuel 25. So if you have the YouVersion app, those verses are on there for you to go ahead and read. I'm reading from the ESV. I tried... The King James, and I just thought maybe we could play a game where you guys like translate for each other, but I decided to go with this one instead. Um, Actually, who likes games? Anybody? Okay, all right. We've got some hands in the room. This is, I'm just telling you, there's a twist to this game. Are you ready? Who has ever played Two Truths and a Lie? Okay, Two Truths and a Lie, so I would tell you three three things about myself, two that are true, one that's a lie. Well, I'm going to do a Bible version of that really quick. Okay, and then I'm just going to pick one random volunteer who's going to guess the lie. Okay, two truths and a lie Bible style. Go. A man is so fat that when he is stabbed, his fat rolls swallow the sword that stabbed him. Uh, Some kids make fun of a man for being bald and end up getting mauled by bears. Truth or lie. A man's wife is so good-looking that he pretends that she's his sister because he's fearful that he will be killed so that they can steal him from her. Anybody have a guess on the lie? The first one. Guess what? They are all true. That's the plot twist. This is how interesting the word of God is. I love that story. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Why, Why would God include that? Hey, this king was so fat, he got stabbed. The sword was swallowed, so the guy left without his sword because he didn't want to deal with all of that. Um, I don't blame him personally, but I think God wants us to have intrigue, right? Like he's trying to keep our interest. And we see a lot of that even in 1 Samuel 25. God is saying and sharing things 
fully that will keep our attention. So let's go ahead and dig in a little bit here, starting with verse 1. It's a really happy beginning. Now Samuel died. And all of Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him in his house at Ramah. Now, this actually is something I think maybe I would naturally skim over. As you're going into a story on David and Abigail, you're like, awesome, there's some background on Samuel, I don't really know why. But this is really important context for us. Because when we find David in this story, David's been through a lot, um, but Samuel was like his mentor. And so David, when we find him in the story, he's in a deep place of grief and of mourning because this spiritual leader who literally said, you are the anointed one over Israel, Samuel's the one who told him he would be king, and he's now died. And so it was a great voice to him. So that's just something we don't want to miss as we go through this text. Verse 2, or I'm sorry, this is actually verse 1 still. Then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Moan whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now, the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. Who would like your description to be intelligent and beautiful. Come on, even if you're a man in this room, good-looking, intelligent, hardworking, I want that to be said of me. Not so much with the harsh and badly behaved. In one of the translations that I looked at, it said that Nabal was unreasonable in all of his ways. That's brutal. David heard, verse 4, in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent 10 young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name, and thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you and peace be to your house. Peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shearers. Now your shepherds have been with us and we did them no harm, and they missed nothing all the time that they were in Carmel. Ask your young men and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son David. So take a step back. They have a lot that they're caring for, specifically in this passage. Remember, their master is very rich. So many, 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 many sheep to be sheared, okay? David, at this time, he had about 600 men that were with him. So these 600 men, for free, right, as a favor, are protecting all of Nabal's servants as they're out in the fields because people who had lack from surrounding villages would come, would try to steal, attack, harm, and so they were just making sure that everything went smoothly. And the thing that culturally we don't quite have the same is on a feast day, if we had a feast day and that was today, it would be incredibly normal for all of us to show up in each other's homes, neighborhoods, communities, and we ask for whatever the other person has. It's all about sharing, it's all about community, and it's all about celebrating, right? That God had provided a feast day. God has provided this feast, let us share in it together. So when we hear what Nabal says to these men, I want you to think about that. This is very normal. It's not something that's unexpected, okay? Verse nine. When David's young men came, they said all of this to Nabal in the name of David, and then they waited. Nabal answered David's servants, 
who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat? Catch that, my, my, my. That I have killed for my shearers and give it to men who come from a place I do not know where? Okay, pause. Nabal knew who David was. You have to think about this. There's a narrative in the Bible, right, that from the time that we catch David with Goliath, okay, every single person has heard of the little tiny that killed the giant with a stone. They knew who he was. Also, at this point in the story, David is actually being pursued by King Saul. He's trying to kill him, so everyone knows Saul does not like David. Saul's kind of losing his mind a little bit. They know who David is. So at this point, we can see what it was talking about earlier with the harsh and badly behaved. He's just mocking these servants. He's being completely sarcastic and just, you know, I don't know. It's interesting culturally because so many of us are sarcastic, right? But there's probably a line when you're dealing with the future king of Israel that maybe is disrespectful. I don't know. (laughs) Verse 12. So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all of this. And David said to his men, every man strap on his sword. That was pretty quick. That escalated. (laughs) Every man of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword. And about 400 men went up after David while 200, there's the 600, remained with the baggage, okay? So at this point, <laughs> this, this sounds so dramatic, but you think about this, like, cool, you won't give me snacks, I'll kill you, right? <laughs> That's kind of where they're at right there. It says in verse 14, but one of the young men told Abigail, finally she arrives in our story, that beautiful and intelligent lady, Nabal's wife, behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master, and he railed at them. Yet the, man, the men were very good to us, and we suffered no harm. We did not miss anything when we were in the fields, as long as we went with them. They were a wall to us, both by night and by day. All the while, we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know this and consider what you should do. For harm is determined against our master and against all of his house. And he is such a worthless man that one cannot speak to him. Abigail was trustworthy. They knew that if she had information, she would be able to make a good decision with the information given to her. I love that. Know this and consider what you should do. So they trusted her to weigh the situation to figure out how to move forward. And then, of course, we had to repeat. He's a worthless man. So not a great (laughs) reputation. Like, it's really not. I would not want to be Nabal at this point. Hopefully nobody in here has a pet named Nabal. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Verse 18, then Abigail made haste. Another translation says, Abigail acted quickly. And it said that multiple times through this passage. She acted quickly. And she took 200 loaves, think about this amount, 200 loaves and two skins of wine and five sheep already prepared, five seahs of parched grain and a hundred clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of fig and laid them on donkeys. 
She said to her young men, go on before me, behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. And as she rode on the donkey and came down under the cover of the mountain, behold, David and his men came down toward her and she met them. Now David had said, surely in vain have I guarded all that this fellow, again, dramatic, he sees her coming. And so he decides to boldly declare, in vain have I guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him. And he has returned me evil for good. God do, excuse me, God do so to the enemies of David and more also if by morning I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him. So David has committed to kill everyone. This includes Abigail. This is their servants. Anyone who is found there, you're going to die. 23, when Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. So she immediately assumes a posture of humility. And then we're going to see through this passage, it's kind of a tongue twister because we've got the capital L Lord and the lowercase L Lord. She's choosing to honor David, even though he is not king yet, right? And to acknowledge him as Lord of that land. So as we read this, we're going to see that word a lot. Pay attention to those little lowers and capitals. On me alone, my Lord, be all of the guilt. Just going to ask this question and leave it hanging. How many times when a situation has not been you're not responsible for it. You don't need to take ownership for it. The first thing that you would say is, on me be the guilt. Just a question. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly or foolishness is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to, the Lord, to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant." For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord and evil shall not be found in you as long as you live. This is important, again, because Saul has been pursuing David. David is tired. He's been trying to kill him. But this is interesting that at this point, David immediately goes to, I'm gonna kill all of you because he had just had a chance in a cave in the wilderness, to kill Saul. It says that he found Saul in a cave, relieving himself, and he could have just killed him right then and there, but he spared his life. Why? Because the call of God and the responsibility of all of those actions, right, would have ramifications. And so God was sparing him from making that decision, and now Abigail is reminding him, this is who God says you are, this is what God has called you to and is trying to, again, spare him from falling into this trap. It says, if men rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, 
the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living in the care of the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling. Again, we're seeing these connections from David's life previously. Just him and his little sling. And when the Lord has done to my Lord, according to all of the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord working salvation himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your servant. And David said to Abigail, and again, I'm just gonna give you a little bit of context to think about as we read this. Remember what value their culture had for women. So think of the boldness that it took, the courage that it took for her to approach the soon-to-be king of Israel and to say, spare this household, spare this foolish man. She's probably honestly done this so many times for Nabal if we just go off of his character. She's used to stepping in at this point. But again, stepping in with the king of Israel is a different level. So think of that when you hear his response. Verse 32. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion or advice. And blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. So he knows if he were to kill these men and these people, he's doing God's work. David, all through the Psalms, all through his life, we see him saying, Lord, avenge. Lord, repay. repay. Lord, bring justice. So he's saying right here, it is not my job to work it out for them. It is the Lord's. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly, by morning there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him, and he said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice, and I have granted your petition." And another version said that he respected. I have respected your voice. How incredible is that? Verse 36, and Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until the morning light. And in the morning, when he had sobered up, she went to Nabal and told him these things. And his heart died within him, He became as a stone, and about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. That, yeah, I think her neighbors were probably saying amen, absolutely. But isn't it crazy to think about the posture of Abigail's heart at this point? She was actually genuinely trying to save his life. Despite the way that he had treated her, I'm sure, was horrid and the way that he was treating other people, but she didn't know that the Lord was just gonna be like, nah, we're done. She had no idea. And I think that this is incredible, even as you move forward in this story, which again, the Bible just hooking you in. So interesting because another plot twist where now David's like, oh my goodness, your foolish husband is gone, marry me. And we all want to think like, ooh, Disney, fairy tale. But he had many other wives, so we don't know what that looked like. At this point, you know, there were a couple others, soon to be many more. But 
It's incredible how if you just keep seeing all of these details, at least I do, I get hooked to want like a little bit more, you know? I want to know what's going to happen. So when we read this story, some characteristics that we see in Abigail. And I think we can agree that we would like these things to be said of us. She was of good understanding, beautiful, wise, intelligent, trustworthy, quick to act, a peacemaker, honoring, humble, and of good judgment. When we look at the character of David, in this story we see that at the time he was grieving, he was tired, he was on the run, he was quick to escalate, he was godly, called and anointed, irrational at times, but he was reasonable. He was able to be reasoned with. Nabal. Nabal was rich, harsh, evil in his dealings, wicked, mocking, hard to approach, foolish, and unreasonable. Now, I know for myself, when I approach this text, I would love to see myself as an Abigail. She inspires me. I love her character. I love her strength. But the reality is, for every person in this room, we have a little bit of each of them in us, first of all. And second of all, there are seasons where maybe we identify more as one than the other, okay? And so I just want you to meditate on that a little bit. Are you enable at times? Are you difficult to deal with? And we all are, right? We have those things. But that doesn't mean that it's past the point of God working in us and working those things out of us. And also, just a note as we continue, if you're listening to this and you may have one of the most tangible navels in your life, and that's very serious. It could be a spouse, it could be a friend, it could be a cousin, it could be a neighbor, it could be someone in this room, that they're harsh, they're difficult to deal with, but I don't want you to listen to this message and the whole time be thinking, God, it's for them, it's for them, right? Receive this for you and hear the word of the Lord for yourself and know like David did that it is God's job to work it out on the other side. So the story of Abigail gives us keys to dealing with difficult people, okay? We have a, cho a choice every time how we're going to respond to difficult people. And some key things that I saw in Abigail's life as she responded I love the practicality of this. First, she simply listened. She was trustworthy to be informed of things that were difficult. She listened with care, but she didn't just listen to internalize, right? She listened in a way that she was willing to take action. This is one of my favorite. She came with snacks. What does that mean? <laughs> It means that she read the room. She knew what was required for her to bring to the table to make peace. So for you in your life, reading the room and knowing what you need to bring to the table, it might be knowing who not to share things with. She did not share information with Nabal, okay? It might be who to talk to. She knew I need to go to David in order to make this right and to bring peace to resolve this conflict. Then, she humbled herself. 
She chose humility and she chose honor. She took the blame for something that was not hers to bear. And then she reminded David of his identity. And let me tell you this, if you have someone in your life that you can think of that you specifically have conflict with, or maybe it's your kids every day, I don't know, but if you speak to who God calls them to be and who he says they are, instead of speaking solely to the behavior, because she went to David and she didn't say, you're irrational, don't kill people over some raisins. She didn't say that, right? But she chose to be reasonable, to honor him, and then in the middle of that, let the Holy Spirit speak through her. And what's crazy to me, over and over again as I go through a story like this, is that this is before Jesus. This is before the Holy Spirit. God is so good from the beginning of time, he has known how to lead his people. And even more today, how blessed are we that we have the voice of the Holy Spirit. But in this story, both David and Abigail were steadied by the presence of God. That's the very thing that allowed this outcome to be so peaceable, to be positive for everyone involved, minus Nabal, which was God's job as well. And so that's if we look at Abigail. But I also found some major things personally that I felt like I could pull from David. And so some questions that we can ask ourselves based on David in this story is how quick are we to strap on our sword and label people as our enemies? If you think about modern day, and maybe it's only an internal escalation. It might not even be external whatsoever but it also might be external on social media because we all see on Facebook the neighborhood little, I don't know, what are they called? It's like DJ, you always talk about the neighborhood. Next door. Next door. Ne yeah. yeah, it's like whatever community you live in, people are addressing issues and I think it was actually created for people to make friends. <laughs> but they've strapped on some swords. Anyways people with different political views, people of different denominations. How quickly do we label someone as an enemy? And maybe you're thinking, that's absurd. I would never label someone as my personal enemy. But I think in the way that we engage with people, maybe we speak a little louder than we think that we are speaking. Are you willing to humble yourself when emotions are high? and to listen to someone that you or others consider beneath you. So maybe in your workplace, um, someone's been at your job for a shorter amount of time, they haven't been in that field as long, maybe they bring some new perspective, but it's, it's hard to receive anything from them. Are you willing to humble yourself? David was known as a man of prayer. Have you prayed or are you willing to pray for the navel in your life? So when I asked myself that, 
how do I pray and what do I pray? How do we do that, right? We almost feel fake being like, yeah, God, work it out, bless them. I don't wanna feel that way. I wanna know that I'm coming before the Lord and I'm being honest and he accepts me and meets me in that place. And I believe that there are amazing examples from David's life. If you're ever struggling and you need a prayer to pray that's emotional, it's, it's charged, it's authentic, use David's words. An example of this is in Psalm 10, starting in verse 14. This is one of those prayers I was talking about with him asking for God to avenge, to move a heart, to make a judgment. He says this, But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked man. Call the evildoer to account for his wickedness. That would not otherwise be found out. The Lord is king forever and ever. <laughs> well, the nations will perish from his land. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them. You listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere earthly mortal, mortals will never strike again. Break their arms. <laughs> like sometimes you want to break that. There are situations in our world that are so disturbing and so far beyond what we can fathom, but ultimately God has a way of bringing balance. His judgment is pure. It is unbiased. It is with a clean slate. And he can act not only for the justice of those who have suffered, but also for the justice of those who have caused the suffering. And we sometimes cannot find that balance. Only the Lord can execute that. Which is good news for us, because that would be a lot of pressure if not. Matthew 5.44, this is another really simple instruction. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I would imagine, we don't see this in the text, I would imagine that Abigail has prayed and 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 prayed, and prayed for Nabal. She experienced personal persecution, pain, hatred, harshness, vitriol from him, but what did she choose? She chose to act in a way that was modeling the way of Jesus, a way of honor and integrity and of love. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So you may, in a prayer, just need to say, God, right now in my heart, I see this person who is very difficult and challenging as my enemy. God, help me increase my capacity to love. But even if I can't interact with that person, God, would you bless them, bring life to them, and help them to choose a different path after their encounter with you? And if you boil it all down, Abigail was living Matthew 5.44 without ever having read it. She was the foreshadowing of Jesus in this story. Jesus chooses every single time, think of your own sin, to repay evil with his good, every time. 
Nabal repaid good, David's good, with an evil response. David repaid Nabal's evil with evil, which culturally at the time actually was an eye for an eye. That in their culture was a pretty appropriate response, but not a kingdom response, not a godly response. But Abigail chose good for evil. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God of peace, would his peace sanctify us? I'm sure we've all heard this quote, but God has to do something in you before he can do something through you. He wants to sanctify you with his peace so that your action is reasonable, it is wise, it is intelligent, it is stable, that you, you are trustworthy, you are a peacemaker, you are an advocate for the voiceless. Just a couple questions as we close. Pastor Dan said this, who do you have in your life that will help spare you from making poor decisions. And I would encourage every person, if you're willing, this week, if you could take a screenshot of these pictures on version or write them down, spend some time with the Lord and really consider these things. Who do you have in your life that will help spare you from making poor decisions? Can you be that for someone else? Do you want to be the kind of person that people come to when they're looking for wisdom? And I can tell you right now, you exist in this room. There are people in this room that I personally go to when I am seeking wisdom. Thank you for hearing from the Lord. Thank you for being sharpened by the Lord so that there can be a reasonable outcome in my personal decisions. We all need that. Pastor DJ said, how are we called to make things right with whatever resource and influence we have? So if you are in a difficult situation or you're dealing with a difficult person, Ask yourself, how am I called in this situation to make things right with my resource and my influence? I can't use someone else's, right? I have what the Lord has given me. I have the help of people around me. What is God asking of me, not of the person next to me? Pastor Rob said this, and I love this. I think this sums Abigail up. He just said, like Abigail, We want and need to be tuned in to the things of God. So in your comings and goings and your everyday, maybe just for the next two days, if you can remember, think of Abigail. Think of tuning in, wanting to please the Lord, wanting to bring good to the people around you, wanting peace for you and for others, I believe that this sanctification of peace, that is something that is so important in this season. As much as we would have loved for things to be left behind us in 2020, the reality is is that life continues and things come with us. God wants to download, to completely overwhelm you with his peace and to sanctify you in that process. So Jesus, we invite 
your process of sanctification. And Lord, I thank you that you would say in this scripture that you would want to sanctify us by peace. There are so many things that we think of sanctification by trial, by fire, and all of those things are important and we submit ourselves to your process. But the peace that you bring gives us life and sustains us as we face the most difficult situations in times that we are terrified, we don't know what to say or how to move. God, would your spirit be the very breath and empowerment that moves us forward? God, we want to be reasonable in a world that can be so harsh. We ask for more revelation of your heart. We thank you for this story and many others that point us to you. And so right now, Jesus, I pray for anyone in this room that has a navel in their life that is causing them pain, that is harsh. Lord, would you show them the right course of action? Anyone who finds themselves in the place of David, that they feel overwhelmed, maybe they're mourning something, their emotions are all over the place and they don't know what to think or how to act. But God, you want to intervene for your glory. You want to step into that situation. And so we invite you to bring comfort to those hearts. Lord, would you help each and every one of us become more well-rounded, as it is said of, of Abigail, being a vision of Jesus in this story. We want to be a vision of Jesus in our world. So we ask that you would once again Meet us where we are. Lord, we invite you to invade every part. We give you all of the honor and glory. Amen.